welcome to a special episode of About Mansfield, the Features Edition. I'm Colleen Daniel, filling in for the vacationing Steve Casillo. We are your audio newspaper. This is episode 83, and we thank you for being here with us. Coming up on this episode, we're going directly to the Features section, and a little bit later on, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to the restaurant of your choice with our trivia question of the week. Thanks to Adam at Garage Door Rescue for donating the gift cards. Let's check our stories for this week. Another billionaire goes to space, and there is more to this story and a COVID update. April showers and May flowers are gone, so why are you still sneezing? I'm Katrina Brown, and today on your Texas Health Tip of the Week, we are talking summertime allergies. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, we'll be talking about a doctor's orders that I would follow any day. And Steve goes in-depth with Mansfield Mayor Michael Evans. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Did you know Southwestern Adventist University is located right in our backyard? SWAU provides a Christ-centered learning environment with hands-on experiences and dedicated professors. For a limited time, local freshmen enrolling for Fall 2021 will receive a stackable $3,000 scholarship. SWAU students are able to focus on the instrument of their choice or join the university's choir. Learn more about the music program at Southwestern Adventist University by visiting swau.edu. Hey business owners, have you thought about growing your business through social media but don't know where to start? Never fear, I'm Sonia Salazar and Wise Media Group is here offering coaching for do-it-yourself social media marketing or we can do it for you. We have packages for every budget. Wise Media Group specializes in organic Facebook and Instagram growth. Let's get Mansfield businesses connected in 2021. Give us a call for a free 30-minute consultation at 817 917- 913-2989. That's 817-913-2989. Or find us on social media at Wise Media Group. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Media Group on Facebook and Instagram. Wise Media Group, helping you make wise social media marketing decisions in 2021. Hi, I'm Olympian athlete Jasmine Moore, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. COVID-19 levels have reached a concerning level locally. Science reporter Dennis Webb fills us in. Dennis? Thanks, Colleen. We had stopped reporting on COVID-19 for a while as the news and numbers were repetitive each week as the epidemic was persisting at a very low level. Recent Tarrant County trends are concerning. A week ago, the county changed its community spread level from moderate to high. Tarrant County has seen a dramatic increase in daily new cases, 241 recently, and hospitalizations by COVID-19 patients, 257 this past week. These are more than double what they were at the start of June, and hospitalizations have increased every week since the end of May. Also, the test positivity rate has dramatically increased to 12%. This suggests that the county is not testing enough to understand the current level of spread. The transmission factor, R sub T, that we talked about, has risen to 1.29, the highest number we have seen since they started reporting this in February. 
What this means is that for every 100 cases the county knows about today, it estimates 129 others will become infected. Tarrant County reports that 48% of its citizens over 12 years old are now fully vaccinated. This is better than the statewide average of 43%, but is still well short of the 70% public health goal. We don't yet see the same these same steady trends in Mansfield over recent week, but last week's number of new cases here was 67, the largest weekly number we've seen since March. Tarrant County Public Health reports that 98.9% of the over 17,000 new infections in the county since March were in people who had not been vaccinated. Tarrant County Public Health urges all eligible citizens to get vaccinated as soon as possible. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk here at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. It's time for the Texas Health Tip of the Week. And this week, Health Specialist Katrina Brown explains why you're sneezing so much. Katrina? Spring is over, but you're still stopped up, sniffling and sneezing. Why? Many of the same springtime triggers are to blame. Once you know what they are, you can take steps to get treated. Most of the time, pollen is the biggest culprit for allergy irritation, but trees are usually done with their pollen fest by late spring. That leaves grasses and weeds to trigger summertime allergies. The type of plant to blame varies by location. Those most likely to make you sneeze and sniffle include ragweed, Russian thistle, sagebrush, Bermuda grass, and Timothy grass. Ragweed is one of the most common summer allergies. It can travel for hundreds of miles on the wind. So even if it doesn't grow where you live, it can make you feel bad if you're allergic to it. And if you didn't think technology could possibly help you with your runny nose, you would be completely wrong. There is actually a website called pollen.com that will actually give you pollen and allergy information in your area. Just enter your zip code and you'll get your daily allergy report in real time, along with the top allergens in that area. This will help you prepare for your day if you are among the 60 million people in America that suffer from allergies caused by pollen and other plant-based triggers. Some ways to help combat seasonal allergies is by not letting pollen catch a free ride into your home. Pollen is sneaky, sticky, and can enter your home by attaching to almost any surface, including your clothing, shoes, skin, and hair, even your pets. If you have severe allergies, it is best to remove shoes and clothes, if possible, before or immediately upon entering your home and place them in the washing machine. Shower immediately to remove pollen from your skin and hair. If you have pets, keep them brushed and bathed regularly. This will help decrease the amount of pollen they bring indoors with them. You should know the majority of pollen-triggered nasal symptoms you experience, including itching, sneezing, drainage, and congestion, is the result of pollen exposure and its persistence in your nasal passages. Thus, you have to get it out. A great way to remove pollen allergens as well as other irritants and nasal drainage is to rinse your nose with salt water. Saline solutions can come in many forms, including low-volume mist or sprays. Just look for them in your local drugstore. They can usually be found in or around the allergy medicine aisle. You can also use a variety of over-the-counter medications to help reduce your symptoms during the height of your allergy attack. If you know what you're allergic to and in about what season that irritant starts, you can probably prophylactically prepare. Beginning about two weeks before you usually notice an upswing in the downpour of nasal congestion, start using an intranasal steroid spray. These work best when used daily. You should also consider taking an over-the-counter non-sedating antihistamine about an hour before planning to be outdoors. If you find yourself at your wit's end and suffering with each sneeze, it may be time to see an allergist. 
This is a medical practitioner who specializes in the diagnosis and treatment of allergies. An allergist will help you pinpoint exactly what you're allergic to, as well as offer treatments that may include allergy immunotherapy, which treats the source of your allergies, building up your body's immune system in response to pollen or other allergens, and reducing the symptoms over time. Unlike over-the-counter antihistamines and steroids, immunotherapy gets to the root of the problem and fights your allergies at the source, enabling you to get out there and enjoy the great outdoors without a box of Kleenex. Because a day without allergies is nothing to sneeze at. Until next time, stay healthy, Mansfield. On behalf of Texas Health Hospital Mansfield and reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Katrina Brown. Roving science reporter Dennis Webb files this report about another billionaire in space. Dennis? Thanks, Colleen. Previously, we had discussed here how Sir Richard Branson flew to space with some of his employees in his new space plane. This week, another billionaire, the richest man on Earth, Jeff Bezos, also went to the edge of space in his own spaceship with friends and family. This was newsworthy. But a little rocket science context. This wonderful flight largely created Alan Shepard's suborbital flight to space in May 1961, a few months after Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin had launched and actually made it to orbit and returned. It takes a massive increase of rocket energy to get all the way to orbit, and the Soviet Union had beaten the USA to orbit. If you want to go to the moon or Mars, it takes even more rocket energy than Earth orbit. Bigger rockets get you higher rocket science. So how did Bezos get here? Well, since 2000, Jeff Bezos has invested $27 billion from sales of his Amazon stock to fund his rocket and spaceship company, which is called Blue Origin. Unlike Branson's Virgin Galactic unconventional space plane, Bezos invested in pretty conventional rockets and capsule designs, launched and landing on his property near Van Horn, Texas. Prior to the recent flight, Bezos' company, Blue Origin, had launched 22 rockets here, gradually proving his reusable rocket engine, rocket, and space capsule. As the whole operation is automated, he did not need test pilots for these tests, so everybody in the capsule is a passenger. He appears to have confidence in his automation. While Sir Richard Branson seems mostly done with the engineering part, poised to profit from space tourism, it appears that Jeff Bezos has larger ambitions, investing over 60 times more money than Branson. Bezos aims to compete with established spaceflight companies like Boeing and Lockheed Martin and the upstart Elon Musk's SpaceX. Bezos continues this larger plan, but may have finally found a revenue stream by charging rich people for a few minutes of exhilaration and weightlessness. Blue Origin has designed and built six different rocket engines. Rocket engines are one of the really hard parts of, of rockets. The one used on this flight is called the BE-3, and it is a conventional rocket engine fed by liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen. Bezos recently built a rocket engine factory in Huntsville, Alabama, close to the NASA center there, to produce his larger BE-4 engine in partnership with the United Launch Alliance for use on their new Vulcan rocket. The BE-4 engine burns liquid oxygen and liquid methane, like the SpaceX Starships uses. 
The United Launch Alliance, or ULA, is a partnership between Boeing and Lockheed Martin providing current versions of their venerable Delta and Atlas rockets to military NASA and other launch customers, until recently the only USA suppliers of big rockets. ULA's next big rocket was originally designed to use an existing inventory of Russian RD-180 rocket engines, left over from the Soviet era. The U.S. Congress was concerned that this dependence on another country might leave our launch systems vulnerable to geopolitical instability, and ULA decided to shift to use Blue Origin's BE-4 engines. The old pro-rocketeers think Bezos and Blue Origin can do it. As the new ULA rocket is not reused, Blue Origin saw an opportunity to make a lot of rocket engines, each of which would be dumped into the ocean after each launch. So this is another revenue stream for the company. Blue Origin has designed another rocket engine, the BE-7, for descent to the lunar surface using liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen as a part of NASA's Artemis Moon program. This was part of Blue Origin's proposal for the Artemis lander, initially accepted by NASA, but later replaced by a SpaceX proposal. As you can expect, litigation is ongoing. Blue Origin also intends to build a larger rocket and capsule system to take people to orbit called New Glenn after John Glenn's first orbital flight in the USA. They have no customers for these launches, but are investing in and progressing, and as I read LinkedIn, they've hired at least one of my former co-workers. Blue Origin's motto is Gratitim Ferociter, which is Latin for step-by-step ferociously, and their mascot is a tortoise. They are currently well behind SpaceX in this competition for human access to space. This past week's interesting rocket flight is a small part of a much bigger interconnected story. Watch this space. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Meanwhile, Brian Certain is following doctor's orders in the Cocktail of the Week. Brian? This week's Cocktail of the Week is the doctor's orders. Back in June of 2015, my family gathered for a family reunion in New Orleans. Now, New Orleans is one of my favorite cities to visit, and I have done so countless times over the last 30 years. I love the history. I love the people. I love the food. I love the vibe. And every time I go to New Orleans, I keep in touch with new and interesting chefs and restaurants. And in 2015, one of my favorite chefs, Greg Saunier, had started with Kingfish. In addition to him being at the restaurant, he brought on Chris McMillan. Chris McMillan is a New Orleans bartender and co-founder of the Museum of the American Cocktail, my kind of museum. Imbibe Magazine mentioned McMillan as one of the top 25 most influential cocktail personalities of the last century. Now, Chris is a fourth-generation bartender and has been the chief bartender at several classic New Orleans bars, including the Library Lounge at the Ritz-Carlton and the Bar Uncommon. As a cocktail historian, McMillan is known for telling stories and reciting drink-themed poetry while making drinks. McMillan has been mentioned in magazines such as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and has even been a public speaker at institutions such as the Smithsonian. Again, previously he worked as a chief bartender at Kingfish, but now he and his wife have opened Revel in Mid-City, New Orleans as of February of sixteen. But that day, I got to Kingfish right before noon after enjoying some late morning chicory coffee and beignets at the classic Café du Monde. 
I walked into Kingfish, made myself comfortable at the bar, and the bartender came over and asked me what would I like. I told him that I was a big bourbon fan and that I was looking for a great bourbon-forward cocktail. And after a few seconds of deliberation, he said, I know what you need. It's what the doctor ordered. And I laughed at the pun and I said, how can I order this when it's the doctor's orders? So with today's post, I give you another great cocktail to try this summer. But again, don't worry about taking notes as I'll be giving the ingredients and the directions out and we'll post them on bourbongospel.com. This week's cocktail, again, the doctor's orders contributed by Chris McMillan. Ingredients, two ounces of any good bourbon like Woodford, Weller's, any of the good bourbons like that. You're going to use a half ounce of white cream de cacao and two dashes of Benedictine. Add all the ingredients into a mixing glass and fill with ice. Stir for several minutes and then strain into a martini or coupe glass. It's really that simple. It's a classic cocktail made in a classic way, but with a new twist. The chocolate flavors along with the bourbon and the Benedictine just make for a great afternoon sipper. But as always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain says, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Congratulations to Julio Jasso, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. Of the 41 incorporated cities in Tarrant County, where does Mansfield rank in terms of population? According to the website citypopulation.de, Mansfield ranks as the fifth most populated city in Tarrant County, behind Fort Worth, Arlington, Grand Prairie, and Flower Mound. Julio has won a $25 gift card courtesy of Garage Door Rescue. After the break, this week's trivia question of the week. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Your logo or emblem defines who you are, so why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing, to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. Hey Mansfield, did you know cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co-owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can answer any questions you have regarding hemp-derived CBD. Wise Wellness carries a variety of products, including oils, topicals, edibles, and pet products. We are located on FM 157 beside Mansfield Fun Jewelry. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, we are offering a buy one, get one free special on select products. Just mention the podcast at checkout. Follow us on social media for our latest updates. Search for Wise Wellness. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon. 
Hi, this is Kyle Teixeira with We Are TPM, and you're listening to About Mansfield. It is time for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to the restaurant of your choice, courtesy of Garage Door Rescue. Fireman owned since 2007, when it comes to your garage door needs, Garage Door Rescue provides fast and reliable results. You can find them on the internet at garagedoorrescuellc.com. Let's get to this week's question. To date, there is just one former U.S. congressman buried at the Mansfield Cemetery located on West Kimball Street near South 4th Avenue. This week's question is... Name the United States congressman who is buried at the Mansfield Cemetery and in what year did he die? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what is the name of the U.S. congressman who is buried at the Mansfield Cemetery and what year did he die? Good luck and thanks to Adam at Garage Door Rescue for the gift card. Coming up after the break, Steve talks with Mansfield Mayor Michael Evans. We are Mansfield's audio newspaper, your only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Hey, it's Steve Casillo, and I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities. can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows such as Ask Philip, On the Mark, Grown and Unfiltered, and Daughter of the Other Woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Epic Voices and Conversations from Palm Springs. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast or if you're just looking for a better place to record podcast mansfield recording studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com that's podcastmansfield.com in 1999 mansfield cares was founded to be the safety net for those in need in our great city mansfield cares built the first free medical dental eye clinic and the warehouse that is home to the only food bank in mansfield Our city's seven food pantries, Feed the Kids program, Back to School Bash, and college scholarships have all benefited from Mansfield Cares. Become a part of Mansfield's safety net. Donate today at mansfieldcares.org. That's mansfieldcares.org. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, some people know him as... Pastor Evans. Some people know him as Mayor Evans. Today, we are going to get to know Michael Evans. Michael, welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you so very much. It's good to be here today. And some people know you as Dr. Evans. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir, they do. It, I, I um, Michael is uh, suffering from, I'm sure we all have allergies. Yeah, I'm an allergy so. guy. I'm an allergy guy. But yeah, I, I wear several hats. 
And, uh, you know, it, it has a lot to do with where I come from and uh, just my own makeup. I'm, I'm kind of like that. I'm, uh, I'm a type A guy, uh, ADHD and all of that stuff. So that, I, I am that guy. So we're going to find out. Uh, you had mentioned this is where you came from. We yeah. are, we're going to talk about... Michael Evans. We're not really going to get into much politics. We're not going to get into much religion. We're going to get into uh, the life and times of, of Michael right. Evans because people, they like I said, they know you as a pastor. They know you as a mayor. They know right, you, but they right. don't really know, or they may not know Michael Evans. So sure. uh, let's let's go all the way back to the beginning. Where all were right. you born? I was born in Houston, Texas. I was born in uh, Mercy Hospital. Located in the part of Houston known as Sunnyside, so yeah, uh, yeah so I'm, I'm a kid from from born in Sunnyside, uh, attended church in Third Ward, and uh, lived a while in Fifth Ward. So I kind of lived all over uh, the Houston area. My um, my my parents uh, married when they were young. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was in uh, Vietnam, and um, you know it 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 really affected our lives. Uh, my dad went to Vietnam, and of course. Vietnam came back with him, and it it really caused um, turmoil in the family. I mean, we we were trying to live through that. Uh, there were no PTSD diagnosis then. Uh, my dad, even today, is 100% disabled uh, from uh, Vietnam because mm-hmm. of Vietnam. Uh, but um, it 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 caused the family to split when I was eight years old. So uh, I had um, uh, leadership duties as early as an eight-year-old, uh, looking after my younger sister. Uh, my mom uh, depended upon me to uh, make sure that um, my baby sister would get to the bus stop. That was my job. Yeah. And, and also that I'd get to school, which was a couple of miles down the road. And um, I, I never wanted, I didn't want to let my, my mom down, didn't want to let my parents down. Um, I, I'm happy to say that uh, my dad's doing very well now. We talk every other day, same with my mom. But um, I was supported quite a bit uh, by um, not just me, but our family, my, the, yeah. the siblings. We were supported by our, my grandparents on both sides, and uh, they took very good care of us. But, you know, that early sense of responsibility came because I didn't want to, I did not want to let mom down. Right. And, Do your parents uh, still live in Houston? They are, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, my parents are there. Uh, my in-laws are there. My in-loves is what I call them. They, <laughs> they, they're there as well. So right now, you know, Lisa and I, uh, that's my wife, mm-hmm. and um, I've, I've got a younger son and a granddaughter now who is here in the Metroplex. Growing up in Houston, uh, what kind of student were you? Were you a good student? Uh, yeah, you know, I was. I, I had to work for it, though. Uh, my siblings are a lot smarter than I am, um, uh, <laughs> and, and I and I say that. But but yeah, I had to work for it. Uh, I did make uh, fairly good grades, but I was the guy that uh, had to learn early on how to burn the midnight oil. Yeah, uh, and uh, I did that. I, I did it as a way of paying my mother back. I didn't have money, you know, to give her, but I figured that if I acted like I had some good sense, and I brought home a good report card that uh, mom would smile, and and that would be uh, 
outstanding, and and that's what happened. You mentioned siblings. You mentioned also a younger sister that uh, other siblings yeah, include. I, yeah, I, I'm the oldest of six. Oh wow. Yeah, so I have I've got uh, two sisters under me, uh, along with uh, four, uh, excuse me, three brothers. So uh, I'm I'm the oldest, and and I'm the oldest by several years in regard to them. them. Uh, my sister right under me. I'm five years older than her, but my younger brother, I've got him by 23, 24 years. So, wow. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I say big brother, I really mean big brother. I am that guy. In school, did you have any hobbies? Uh, were, were you in band? Oh, were you yeah. an athlete? Uh, I, I, I absolutely love sports. Yeah. I, I am an avid competitor. I'm telling you now. I mean, I don't care. Whatever it is. I mean, if it's hopscotch, I'm trying to win. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I did it all. Football. I did baseball, basketball. Of course, you know, I had to <laughs> give the ball up, uh, the basketball up. You see, I'm not all that tall. But yeah. um, I, I did that swimming. Uh, you know, so, so all around. I, I, um, I definitely was an athlete. I loved music. Uh, almost majored uh, in music, as a matter of fact, uh, voice. Uh, but um, I, I had a love for political science, and I okay. always loved current events. And uh, my, my uncle Richard was a history teacher in uh, the Houston area. As and my dad taught math. My mom later on, <laughs> she was a teacher as well. So um, you know, I, I was that guy that that loved. You know, history always intrigued me because I, I believe that if, if you study it today. You won't repeat it tomorrow. Oh, yeah. You know, to be honest with you. You mentioned music. You mentioned singing. Did you also play an instrument? Uh, well, well, no, I didn't no. get that far. I, I, I took piano, but um, I'm glad I was more the lead tenor, uh, and uh, that way my uh, choir teacher wouldn't flunk me uh, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, she kind of needed me for the UIL uh, tournaments and all that kind of stuff that we did. So, uh, no. <laughs> I wish I could, buddy. After high school, you moved on to college, I would assume. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I, I came up this way to, to UT Arlington. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that, I'm an alumni, you know, alumnus of uh, UTA and uh, majored in political science and pre-law. My minor is uh, English. I was English. So uh, I, I came here. And Steve, the, the, the speed of the Metroplex uh, was a lot slower than, than Houston. And yeah. uh, I needed that. Uh, I, needed, I needed a change of pace. I needed to make sure that I focused I was in ROTC um, for three years. Um, later on, I was commissioned into uh, the, the U.S. Navy as a uh, reserve chaplain. Uh, so I owe a lot to uh, UTA, and I attempt to um, stay connected to her even now. Okay, so you mentioned that you were the... The, the the chaplain, reserve chaplain. The, right. At, at what point did it lead you to religion and becoming a pastor? I always um, believed that you need to have a moral compass. Sure. I learned that early because we were in the inner city, so so there were there were choices that I had to make early on in life. I mean, as I walked to school, I would pass people who would. You know, they would be selling drugs or, or you know, here, won't you try this and try that. But, but again, uh, I, my drive was making sure my family and, and also my younger siblings that, that I, I, you know, it's crazy. But even as a kid, I knew that they were looking up to me and and. I felt that 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 if I stepped off, if if I did something that wasn't quite right, I would be affecting even their lives. So you know, 
uh, my parents and grandparents were avid church attenders, you know. Now, it was two different styles of worship, you know, uh, on, on one side of the family, it was um, it, it was the pipe organ. On the other side of the family, it was wood floors and stomping your feet, gospel yeah. music. You know, so I was exposed to all of that, Steve, and um, uh, th- that really helped to guide me. And I wanted to be a civil rights attorney, uh, but um, I, I believe that I was called to, to ministry uh, around my uh, junior year, junior year in uh, college, okay, and um, you know, uh, it it called me, and and I answered. Um, I've always believed that uh, there's something bigger than us. I believe in God, uh, even now, and I think that that that's my guiding principle for service and leadership. How'd you meet your wife? You know, we attended uh, the same high school, oh, okay. uh, but but we ran in different circles. I mean, my, my wife, you know, I, I am definitely the extrovert. I'm the guy that jumps out and, hey, how you doing? You know, uh, Lisa is the more quiet, reserved, serious person. And um, uh, so, we, you know, we, we ran in different circles. I was kind of the silly guy, you know, having a great time in high school. I loved high school. Yeah. We met, believe it or not, in the graduation rehearsal line. In in 1984, May 1984, um, <laughs> I, I, I had actually I was done uh, with school December 1983. All right, so uh, I hid I hid the letter from my mom that says I said I was done with school. <laughs> you wanted to keep going to school. I wanted to stay in high school. Man. Wow, um, you, you really know, did like school. I loved high school. I'm telling you, I wasn't I wasn't ready to grow up, but I, I hid that letter. As a matter of fact, funny story. I'm 54 now. And about 10 years ago, my mother says to me, no joke, no joke. 10 years ago, my mother says, look what I found. I was too dumb to, to dispose of the letter. I hid it. Oh. And uh, no joke, you know, so my mother, I told my mom, I said, well, it's too late now, honey. You know, <laughs> ain't a thing you can do now. So you know, you took an extra semester. I took an extra semester, met my wife, uh, 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 this beautiful girl. And, um, you know, from there we grew and, and uh, we fell in love. And we did something that all of our parents, both of our parents told us not to do. Do not get married in college. We did. And uh, th- that's been 30 some odd years ago now, 35 years ago, uh, and uh, 34, 35 years ago. And here we are. <laughs> the two of you have kids. Yeah. We have a, a 27-year-old who's married. He lives in, in Austin. He is a lobbyist uh, at this mm-hmm. time. As a matter of fact, he was he, he and David Cook, he was, he was working with our representative uh, this past legislative session and uh, even now on those matters that's important to our denomination uh, of the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Uh, we, we are, you know, people, if pe- people ask that question, they say, well, well, well you're, you're a conservative Baptist. I say, yes, I am. Well, well I, what are you doing in politics? I say, well, it's not politics, it's service, you yeah. know, and, and uh, that's what my boy understands and that's what he's doing. I have a younger son. Uh, he, he lives in this area as well. Well, uh, he works uh, for McLean uh, there in Arlington, and I have a granddaughter, uh, Ms. Riley Rose. Uh, she is she is the apple of, of uh, our eye, my wife and I, and that that's my family. That that's where my time is uh, spent in my my uh, off time, off days. There you go. You mentioned before we started the interview, you like to cook. 
I do. I love cooking. What's What's your favorite dish? Oh man, you know, you you name it, I can cook it up. Uh, whether whether it's grilling steaks or, or pork chops or uh, preparing uh, stew, uh, you know, beef stew, yeah. chicken soup, all all of that kind of stuff. Etouffee, uh, shrimp etouffee, crawfish etouffee. I can boil it. I can I can grill it. You name it. I mean, the, you know, I'm that guy. I love absolutely love cooking. I'm a breakfast guy. I love mm-hmm. cooking waffles and this and that. So, uh, <laughs> hey, oh, listen. And again, you know, it goes back to when I was young. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, back then, eight, nine, ten years old, of course, I was boiling eggs. You know, my mama didn't turn me loose like that. Right. But, uh, you know, I went from boiling eggs to, to uh, uh, preparing a feast, you know, for, for many. So I can, I can roast a duck. I can do all of that stuff. So this goes back to you were pretty much the man of the house. Oh yeah. As oh a, yeah. As a as a youngster. Oh without and a doubt. And then you really had to you had to learn to cook to survive. Oh you, well, yeah. I, I I did. Now again, you know, um my mom would work double overtime, yeah. all right? And um when when mom got home, I wanted to make sure that she had something to eat as well. And um, you know, bless her heart, she put the uh, uh, groceries in the in the refrigerator or ice boxes. We used to call it back in yeah. the day, and, and uh, my dad did, you know, and in paying to take care of us. So um, when she got home, I wanted to make sure she was able to eat. and knew she was tired, and there it is, buddy. You know, that's my life. And you mentioned that Lisa's from Louisiana and can cook up a bowl of gumbo that can rival Emerald Lagasse. Oh uh, yeah, my, my my wife is originally she was born in Derrida, Louisiana, where okay. Fort the, the home of Fort Polk. And uh, that, that's where f- folks are from. And of course, she learned it from her dad. And um, I am the benefactor of that. Uh, but yeah, Lisa can whip up a mean gumbo and uh, she'll fatten you up, brother. The secret to a good gumbo is the roux. Of course. Yes. But of course, yes. And which takes patience. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. She has more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> You got married here in the area, or you were, yeah. did you go back down to Houston? No, we were married in Fort Worth at the Elm Grove Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, that's where I was married. That's where I was ordained as a deacon. That's also where I uh, preached my inaugural sermon. So all of it came from, from Fort Worth. Now, here's a funny story. My mother was born in Fort Worth oh. in, in the 40s, yes. And um, there was a, what they call the, the Great Flood uh, back in the mid-40s, and um, it it flooded out that Greenway addition, that area. And um, my parents, then uh, my mom, uh, grandparents, they migrated to Houston. So uh, on my maternal side of the house, they're from the Kearns, Athens area. They went from there to Fort Worth, then from Fort Worth to Houston. Then my grandmother came back to Fort Worth, and uh, she was uh, my only relative here. My grandmother and grandfather, they were here, but uh, they've since gone home now. Let's talk about Bethlehem Baptist Church. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Something you know a little bit about. My love. Yes. When when did you become the pastor? I, I became the pastor at the Bethlehem Church in 1991, uh, May of 1991. So this is year 30 for me. Yeah. Uh, I went there as a student, um, Lisa and I, in 1989. I was a student at TCU's Bright Divinity School, and I needed a grade. Uh, we lived in North Arlington at the time. My wife and I worked for UPS. I did. And um, uh, Reverend Sammons, C.D. Sammons, Calvin Sammons, who's my predecessor, he, he's been here since about 1976 or so. And um, he, he also uh, was a student at Bright. 
and he knew that he knew the grade that I needed. And and he said, well, come here and work with me and I'll send you somewhere from here. So I, I, I you know, we I got lost. I mean, I was driving down uh, West Broad and my wife says there is no church way back off in here. <laughs> and I said, yes, it is, honey. They, they're telling me that it is a church that so we're going to keep on driving. And of course, uh, there we were, you know, our, our little church, our little chapel uh, there. And uh, we, we were, we were surra- surrounded by houses at the time. There was there were two well houses uh, nearby us. I mean, actual wells, you know. And again, we, we're from Houston. Yeah. Uh, uh, down uh, of Sayers and Morgan Road, there, there were uh, uh, hog pens and there was livestock. And, you know, we're kids from Houston. I mean, we're like, where are we right now? Uh, but, um, man, when we got there, Steve, the folks loved on us. They were primarily senior adults. Mm-hmm. They loved on us. And... Um, to be honest with you, we we thought it was a ruse. We say, you know, something strange is going on here because these people are too kind. Yeah. But uh, we discovered that they were genuine. They were real. And uh, we joined the church in February of uh, 1989 and been here ever since uh, and fallen in love with Mansfield. And you became the pastor in 91. Yeah. Yeah. Bethlehem's grown a little bit yeah. in, in 30 years. <laughs> yes, sir. From about 75 to 100 in, in attendance. Uh, now, uh, pre-COVID, uh, we, we've grown up to about 2,500. Wow. Uh, Every people. Sunday. 2,500. Yeah. Well, every Sunday. I mean, no, we, we oh. might we might see about half of that. I mean, you know, yeah. us preachers have about three numbers we can give you for attendance, you know, but <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah, um, half of that. We have two services uh, at Bethlehem. And um, uh, again, pre-COVID, they, they were full, vibrant. But now we've gone back. We've gone back and, and, and our attendance is growing again. So we're happy about that. I got to be honest, I've never been to a service at Bethlehem. Need to I, come. I am. Uh, I am a Catholic. Ah. And uh, so you mentioned earlier in the interview that that uh, the church could either be pipe organ or it could be wood floors oh, with yeah. the stomping. Oh yeah. Are oh, we yeah. talking? Are we talking gospel music? In oh here? man. I'm, I mean, are you kidding? I'm talking real gospel music. I mean, toe tapping, dancing in the aisles, yeah. gospel music. Now you mentioned Catholic. My mother was Catholic. Okay. So, so I attended. I attended mass with mass with my mother on Fridays. So I would I would be with mom on Fridays at mass, my sister and I, and then I would be with my grandparents at at the Baptist church. So I, I had an opportunity to see both lives. I tell you this: at one point, no joke, as a kid, uh, I was about twelve years old. Uh, the priest came to bless our house, mm-hmm. and uh, my stepfather, um, you know, after the priest had blessed the house, my stepfather asked. Um, the, the the priest, you know, what would you like to drink? I'm just like, I mean, I'm I'm white as a ghost. I'm like, did this guy just ask the preacher if he wanted something to drink? You know, the preachers don't drink, you know. <laughs> but it, but but my mom says, oh well, the Catholic priest does. Uh, yeah. I said, you know what? I want to be that guy. And then then <laughs> she says, no, but they 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 don't get married. I said, well, that's not the place for me. So <laughs> so I said, give him a high five, love him and appreciate him, but. No, I want to marry one day. So, there you, go. Uh, you, you know, that was it. And of course, you know, here I am now. <laughs> I'm stuck on the gospel music because I, I'm, I'm 
I'm a big lover of blues. Yeah. And you probably know that gospel music and blues oh, yeah. just depends on which side of the railroad tracks you're on. Oh, well, well, they, they go hand in hand. Well, well, well they do. As a matter of fact, one, one, is, one grew out of the other. Right. You know, and, and more, so, more so blues out of, the, out of the gospel, out of the genre, out of the, uh, uh, out of the pain of the people. And, you, you know, that's, that's where that comes from. And, and here's a fun fact. Okay. We just recently, um, our church was uh, in a gospel music video that uh, uh, was nominated for a, a Dove Award, uh, which which is uh, the gospel music's equivalent mm. to the Grammys. And uh, that's with uh, some of our famous uh, Mansfield residents, uh, Tamala and David Mann, sure. uh, who are who are here. And uh, yeah, they shot the video at the church. I've got a part in it, and others of us do as well. I've been trying to get them on the show. We, I think we can make that happen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've Great. sent them multiple uh, messages, and and I'm hearing crickets. But uh, oh no, I, 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 they, they're awesome people. Yeah. Uh, you, you you know what's funny about them is that um, you don't get any of that aura, you know, that prima donna aura, yeah. not from the mans. They are down to earth folks. Uh, uh, Miss Tamla Man actually lived in Mansfield as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I mean, just, just great people. What goes through your mind when news comes out of the the multi mega millionaire <laughs> mega priests come out and say, I need to raise funds for a new jet. <laughs> Are they really doing it for their flock? You, you, you know, I, I guess I guess it varies from person to person. I I, I know what, what what might happen if I ask for a new jet. You know, <laughs> or a jet, jet. Yeah, a jet. Yeah, you know where you're going, brother. You know, <laughs> you, you know, might be one of those questions. You, you know, I I, I deal with uh, in regard to ministry. I mean, I'm I, I guess I'm I'm way down here. You know, I I, I think being grounded down to earth is uh, the place to be. I believe in, in servant leadership. I sure. don't think that you should ask people to do anything that you're not willing to do yourself. Um, and, yeah, and, and, you know, the, the crowd that I work with, run with, serve with, uh, we don't have jets. I mean, you know, we we have um, our hands our hands and our feet, and we use that to, to help people. You're leading by example. You know, I, I try. I try. Uh, I've been blessed to um, be that kid that, that, that saw people serving, you know, whether it's, it's in my upbringing. And um, that is the life for me. I don't walk on water. I don't have wings, you know, underneath my my uh, shirt here. I, I just believe that it's the right thing to do. And, and you know what? I, I, I just feel good doing it. You know, I think that I think that when you see what other people go through, uh, that that it kind of quells or calms down any complaints that a person can have themselves. You know, if, if you go to a hospice facility, sure, uh, it it'll, it will help you to uh, love life. If you uh, or, or or go to the hospital, and these are things that we do as as clergy persons. Mm-hmm. So not just Michael, but but the clergy persons in this city. Uh, when you do that, uh, it helps you to uh, stay in touch with reality. Uh, yeah, the fact that you have to perform or officiate funerals. Oh, God. Uh, oh God. And I would assume you've done oh God. hundreds. Oh, God. Let, let, let me tell you uh, something. The first, my first year in Mansfield, my first year at Bethlehem, I, I actually, I mean, here I am, 24 years old. I actually performed 13 funerals that year. 13. At 24 years old. At 24 years old. And, and I was so glad to have um, my deacon chairman, who uh, was uh, the victim of COVID this year, uh, he, he succumbed to uh, COVID-19. 
he sat behind me and he would guide me through it. Uh, McClendon Moody, of yeah. course, former uh, city council man, uh, Moody uh, helped and guided me. You know, we have the billboard because uh, McClendon Moody said that, that that's what you need to do. You need to market. Yeah. He did that. You know, I, I didn't I didn't do that. And my wife said, I'm not going. I, oh, God, no way you're going to have my picture on the billboard. You, you didn't want your name up on there on, on 287? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't. I, my, my wife and I, we have a joke now, you know, uh, um, because of COVID, I, I said to her one morning, I said, you didn't know that you were going to marry a televangelist, you know. Mm. <laughs> you know, I never, I, I'm, I am not the social media guy. I mean, I really am not. I don't, it, it, you know, it, it can do a whole lot of good, but also I've seen, and, and you know, a lot of nastiness comes right. through that thing. And I just, I just personally don't have time for that. I mean, because life is too short. 13 funerals at age 24. Do you remember your first funeral? Oh, God, yes, I do. Yeah, my first funeral was uh, uh, McClendon Moody's uh, brother. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was his brother. His brother um, uh, was a, uh, a veteran, and um, uh, his brother was a, a Marine. I sure do. And, and again, for McClendon Moody to say, Michael Evans is going to perform this. He's going to do this funeral because he is our pastor. Now, keep in mind, my predecessor was in Dallas. I mean, he had moved to another church. Yeah. Uh, but McClendon Moody said, that's our pastor. That's our guy. He set the bar. He set the bar. And also he, he opened that door uh, that allowed me to be who I, I believe who I am today. <laughs> that put a little pressure on then, didn't it? I mean, it, oh, this wasn't man. just someone from the community. Oh, this was no. Moody's brother. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. And, and, I would assume well, ner- nerves kicked in. Well, nerves kicked in because the second funeral was his wife. Oh, no. Yeah, it, it, it was his wife and uh, uh, who was much beloved in this community. I mean, yeah. she and and her sister actually would go throughout the community uh, delivering meals on wheels. I mean, the, the so, and, and, and Deacon Moody was on the city council at that time. Right. So, um, yeah, you, you, you've got, you got us, uh, you got me there, this kid, you've got the mayor there, you've got, you know, it, it was, um, something else, but that man had that confidence and he said, you do it. You do. I'm telling you, Steve, I, th- I think that that, um, it was nerve wracking, but it really helped to, uh, to launch me in, into a direction that says, try it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and see what happens. When opportunity comes, I believe that you, I believe that you, 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 you deal with it. Sure. Don't run from it. You deal with it. And I learned that. And I your life that. of service also led then to Serving on the board of trustees at yeah. at MISD. Yeah, it it did, it did, it did. Um, but but all of that, you know, there were catalysts to that. There, there were things that caused that. Yeah. Um, uh, back in those days, you know, now I'm talking <laughs> back shoot, in the day. Yeah, fifteen, almost twenty years ago. Well, well, actually, thirty years ago, uh, we developed a partnership uh, with with MISD. I mean, there, there were. I mean, we worked with. I mean, Steve, at one point, we had like three superintendents in like five years. No joke. No joke. Uh, we, we had kids, uh, in particular, 
on on the west side. And I'm talking about the the uh, West Broad corridor. Right. You know, now that I'm older, I know the west side is more than just West Broad. Uh, but but then who could not read? They were they were 15 and 16 years years old year olds. And um, I asked them to read a passage in the Bible, and these kids couldn't read. And I'm wondering what is this about? So uh, we started a partnership with them, uh, uh, and then in the summertime we would rent uh, Irma Nash for a dollar. I mean, you know, and we, oh, yeah. we yeah, and and those teachers uh, in our church who were off for the summer, they they actually were a part of our program, and, and we taught the three R's, and we remediated, did remediation classes for kids with toss. I mean, all over, not just on West Broad, but it grew, it grew, and uh, I think we served right about five to six hundred kids, uh, to be honest with you. And then later on, we connected with the uh, Bush administration and started to uh, uh, link these children up with jobs. So so you would come, you get remediation, and then you would get a job. Nice. And uh, oh yeah, it, it worked out. But but all of that, then it led up to my service on the school board it, itself. Uh, when we were trying, we were lobbying for uh, uh, um PhDs or EDDs, you know, people with doctorate of education to serve in the SPED program, special ed program. Right. And and we were able to get that. So, yeah, uh, it made for a great time. I was a part of an awesome team of people. How long were you on the school board? I was on the school board for 10 years. I served as the president for two terms. And um, it, it was, you know, I, I call it glory days. I mean, I, I have worked with some of the, I mean, everybody on that team, fantastic. And, and, I, and I know that Michelle has a good team as well that she works with, mm -hmm. Michelle Newsom. Yep. Uh, but um, to a person, to a person, uh, the, the the children were the priority to a person. And let me tell you something. If you want to galvanize a group and get people together to do great things, you 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 have a common goal. And and that was it for us. And you know, and I'm smiling because, you know, it was during those years that uh we we were grade A. It was during those years when, you know, we were the 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 top uh ISD in the state. I'm just I'm just smiling because our team of eight really worked hard to get things done. Michael, I've never seen you not smile. <laughs> well, there are times. There's I would assume. <laughs> All right. What's the most difficult decision you've ever had to make as a pastor? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, there was a, I mean, it pops right into my head. There, yeah. there was, there was a theft uh, that took place and uh, we know who we, we know who did it and we knew who did it. And uh, the person said that they didn't do it. And, uh, but again, you, they stole church property. Mm. Hardest decision in the world was to uh, um, uh, call a church meeting and to actually, you know, have the accuser in front of us. And uh, um, that person was suspended from fellowship. And uh, that was hard to do. Uh, but um, we sent counselors to him every week. All right. At the end of that year, December 31st, that particular year was a Sunday. Mm -hmm. And that person came down the aisle, said, I did it. I'm sorry. And he was fellowshiped back into the church. That, that was a hallelujah. We, we, I, mean, I mean, because you forgive and you move on. And that person is doing well. Today. I mean, he's doing fine today, you know. So, um, yeah, that, that was the hardest thing I ever had, had to do. And then there, there's been some other things. But, uh, yeah, usually it's disciplinary matters that come up that breaks your heart. Yeah. It yeah. does. What's your favorite passage of the Bible? 
And I have so many. I, I, Jer- Jeremiah 29 and 11, uh, where the Lord God says that I know the plans that I have for you. Therefore, you're good, you know, not for, you know, your destruction, not for what he's talking about there is he's saying that, you know, no matter what you go through in life, know that it's going to be all right. Know that I have a bigger plan for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, Jeremiah 29, 11. And then when you think about that, when you read that entire chapter, Jeremiah is telling them you're going to be in captivity. You're going to be in Babylon. You're going to be there for a while. And um, now that you're there, you make the best out of a bad situation. I mean, <laughs> really, yeah. if, you, if you read that, I mean, you th- that's what you have, you know. So uh, it, it is that. Because there are times when we don't really understand what God is doing with us or through us, uh, to be honest <laughs> with you. It's a daily thing it, it, it is it is a daily thing it is a daily thing yeah but it's all right what made you run for mayor you know um th- th- this might sound kind of hokey yeah but um i i felt the calling to do it uh, um our our city um our city is in a good place uh, my predecessor uh, david cook did a great job and um, uh, the team that he led did a great job. What what called me out was that that hope, that vision for what Mansfield uh, can be and will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that I mean, you know, when I got here, there were fifteen thousand people, you know, in regard to uh, a residency here. Right. Now there are roughly eighty thousand. And, and 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 our taxes are here, you, you know, up, up up high. You hear that, you know, all the time, and you say, okay, how do we strike that balance that makes Mansfield that great place? And I really mean it, that great place for people to to live, learn, and play. So how how do you do that? And and I believe that the way that you balance that out is you galvanize, you leverage the level of intelligence that you have on the city council. You, everyone has their area of specialty. And, and as leaders, what you do is you, 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 you agree to uh, be, be pointed or directed in a, given, to, to, in a given direction, to be pointed in a given direction, and you make that happen. So uh, I, I felt like, uh, number one, I've been, I've been equipped to be a, um, a bridge builder, yeah. uh, equipped to be a motivator, uh, uh, a visionary. And I, I think that when you bring all of that together and when you apply that to a group of six other individuals who have a heart for this city, as our group does, then you can uh, bring in the right kind of development. You, you know, for example, uh, what our team has done in the past year that I've served is uh, we we actively now, teams of two, teams of three, we actively go to other cities or places. I mean, we, even if we have to fly to them and, and if we see a project that we believe fits uh, the perception that uh, our residents have identified for us, because we had a survey, when they identify that, we say, okay, this is what the people want, let's go get it. Let's not just talk about it, but let's go after it. So I believed that I could do that uh, with a group of people and have been able to do that. So it was that calling to say, hey, you know what? We have 25 uh, percent um, of, of uh, undeveloped land remaining. Right. What do we do with that? 
And and what is the impact, Evans? What is that going to be on your family, on your neighbors, on your friends, on the, the senior most population, as well as attracting people to Mansfield? Because here's what I learned, that if we remain the bedroom community— Friend, in a decade, our taxes are going to be through the roof. Right. So we couldn't continue to do what we did. I believe that a path has been laid for us by previous uh, previous uh, mayor, previous councils to say, okay, here's the baton. Now you go take it higher. And um, th- that, that's what we've done. When we talked about reimagining what downtown looked like, there were people who actually laughed at it. You know, they said, oh, you can't do that. Uh, it's been this way. Well, just because it's been this way doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. Well, you know, the people don't get along down there. You got all these groups. Well, but there are there is always a common vision or view. I learned this in church. Yeah. You, you know, we can fight about a lot of things, but there's one common denominator, you know, and of course, you know, you're talking to a preacher. There's, there's a common denominator. The common denominator is Christ. I don't care how you worship. You know, you may wave your hands. You may sit with your arms fold, uh, folded. You may run around, do laps. Uh, you may just sit there and say, thank you very much. Great sermon today and leave. But there, there are commonalities. So I, I've been blessed with the opportunity of finding those and, and galvanizing folks around them. And we make the, I mean, you know, and we, we get, we get it done. We get it done. And, um, so all of that, the possibilities call me. You, you mentioned at the last city council meeting, and then you announced it the next day on, on this podcast, you will be running again for, for mayor in the, in 2022. Yes. And so, as I do with all political candidates, sure. uh, when when the time comes, you will be back here in the studio, and I'm going to ask you, uh, you, Michael Evans, why are you running for re-election? Sure. And, and sure. you'll be given uh, ample time to, to answer that question. Uh, this pending whether you have an opponent or not. Now, well, because I have never interviewed Larry Brosh because he's never had an opponent. The good guy, Larry. Yeah. 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 yeah um, so uh, I, I look forward to that day when I can sure. ask you as a candidate. Sure. Uh, we, we will get into politics uh, <laughs> more specifically. Not a problem. Um, Not a problem. Not a problem. But I, I sure appreciate the fact that you come on here every other uh, well, it's every other Wednesday is when it's released. You come in sure. here every other Tuesday and right. you give us the, the city council update. And um, what I do want to uh, get into, uh, this is the, the part of the interview where people really get to know Michael Evans. All right. It's called the lightning round. Okay, let's do it. Let's go. Okay. It's a very simple game of, of this or that. And, um, oh, I forgot to ask you. No. Before we get into the lightning round, I have two more questions. Um, everyone has a superpower. People may not know that they have a superpower, but right. everyone has a super. What's Michael Evans' superpower? You know what? I, I believe it's, it's L-O-V-E. I believe it's love. I, I believe that, um, you know, that that's something that's in you. Either you have it or you don't. Um, and I, I kind of freak people out because even when they're angry with me, and I might be angry with them. I'm I'm not able to to hold that. I don't I don't hold grudges well, uh, and and, uh, and I think that has a lot to do with my faith. 
I, I just don't do that. I think it takes too much energy, uh, too much time, you know, and if you're grimacing at me and I'm grimacing at you, one of us is going to get a headache. So uh, I I, uh, I don't like headaches. So so I tend I do. Nice. You know, I, I tell you something funny. Uh, uh, you, you know, there have been people, bless their hearts, you know, they might they might say some pretty nasty things and um, you know, on on social media. And if I see them out somewhere, I mean, it's just in me, you know, even even in this COVID environment to just go give them a hug. You yeah. Know? <laughs> that freaks them out, you know, but but to me, life is too short for that. Uh, that means stuff. So I, I would say L-O-V-E, brother. I, you know, I just that's that's why you do it. I'm a hugger, too. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. And there's nothing mushy. I mean, I'm just I just don't have time enough to be trying to be yeah. mad with you or hate you. You know, I just I just don't don't do that. Michael Evans, what's your favorite ice cream? Rocky Road ice cream. Rocky Road. That is, yeah, because it's kind of like my personality at times. You know, you get a little marshmallow, and then, then you get a little nuts. I am that every now, now and then. And then, then there's that <laughs> sweetness in there, and of course, it's chocolate ice cream. So, <laughs> so I, I'm, yeah, Rocky Road guy. Here comes the lightning round. All right. Night or day? Day. Text or phone call? Oh, gosh, phone call. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Give or receive? Oh, God, giving. Old Testament or New Testament? Both. Both. Yeah, got to okay. have, have both of <laughs> London or Paris? Ah, Paris is romantic. Would you rather have knowledge or wealth? Oh, God, knowledge. Apples or oranges? Oranges. I think I know the answer to this one. Uh, would you rather be the life of the party or a wallflower? Oh, gosh, the life of the party, the Life brother. of the party. Oh, I think yeah. we already got into that. Oh, yeah. All right, final one. Gospel or jazz? Ah, you know what? I'm a lover of both. I, I but, know but, you are. Oh, I really am. But but gospel for me because of the of the spiritual undertones and message. But that's an unfair question because I love me some jazz, brother. Mm. Michael Evans, a pleasure having you again. Always every other Tuesday, coming in here and talking city council. Appreciate it you. is a pleasure having you here. You're dressed in your uh, your pastor whites uh, today, and yeah. you're out doing the Lord's work. Amen, amen. It's it's. And I'm doing it because technically this is my off day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, did you hear me say technically? Wink, wink. Yes, <laughs> that's what it is. But it's all good. I sure appreciate uh, getting to know you better. Appreciate you. And Steve. thanks for being on About Mansfield. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we'll have the latest Mansfield news, talk, and information. We'll also talk with a young man who's on a race for kindness. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast if you haven't already, so you never miss an episode. It's free and easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters, Stacey Main and Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Texas Health Tip, Katrina Brown. Home Improvement feature, Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week feature, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo and Jacob Atkinson. Thanks for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield.